from the book of 1 Peter. Remember, Peter was the apostle who was somewhat notable at, at, in that he was the one with the big mouth in, uh, among the followers of Jesus who was always saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing, and then Jesus had to kind of clean up the messes. Maybe you know some people like that in your life. But he was also one of the great leaders and, and great founders of the church. And when he gets to the end of his life, he writes two epistles, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, which are recorded in the New Testament. And they were not to specific churches, but they were to all of the people who he administered to. They were kind of like his, his farewell letter to all, all the people who he had, he had uh, ministered to and, and all the places where he had planted churches over the years. So I want to look at perhaps some of the most well-known verses in 1 Peter today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he's talking about the church. He's talking about you and me and all those who are followers of Christ, what we are collectively. And he says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word for God's children today. So what I want to talk to you about today is the identity opportunity that life gives us in this day and age. You know, one of the things that's amazing about being a modern person, especially as you're growing up, is Everybody tells you, you can become whatever you want to become. And your, your most important project as you come of age is to discover who you are, figure out who you are, and then live that out. You know, the message that, that, that kids are given uh, by their teachers, by their parents, and everybody else is whatever you want to do, whatever you set your mind to, whatever makes you happy, that's the thing that you ought to to pursue. And your most important project, the most important project in our first years of life is to define ourselves, to figure out who we are so that we can live out of that intrinsic identity that's somehow buried deep inside of us. Now, you got to understand how unique that is. For most of human history, people were kind of stuck. They looked at their parents, they looked at their little village, they looked at the place where they were born, and that was what they were going to become. That was where they were going to be. The idea of being able to, to uh, pack up from wherever you were born and move to a place like Jersey City and work in a place like New York City and discover a whole new profession, that was foreign to most of humanity for most of human history. You know, for most of, the, most of human history, you know, if you were born and your dad was a blacksmith, that meant you would be a blacksmith. If your dad was the town baker, you would be a baker. In fact, they'd name you Mr. Smith or Mr. Baker or Mr. Fisher or Mr. Farmer. You'd, you'd inherit these names so that you'd know who you are and what your job is. In my case, the wellmen were the, the people who went around apparently and dug holes and found water. So, so that was, that's my legacy. But everyone has had their own calling. You, you grew up and in the same village, you had the same business, the same life as those who were around you. 
But to be a modern person, to live in America today, to live in Jersey City today, means most of us are on this quest to discover an identity that far transcends what our parents and our ancestors before us had, and, and to take the opportunity to discover who we are on our own terms. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why graduation speakers, the, you know, the cliche of graduation speakers, they talk to these kids and say, you can be whatever you want to be. You need to find your bliss, find your purpose, find your identity in life. Because, because that, that's the modern ideal. And this is the great opportunity that we have, but it's also a great burden. Because it's stressful to figure out who you are. It's stressful to start with a blank slate and say, what do I want to be when I grow up? And what is it that's really going to make me happy in life? And the problem is, for a lot of us, we try a lot of different things, and nothing really meets that deepest need that we have. You know, instead of being able to take cues from your, your family, your village, your culture, we all are all sent out into the, the broader world to figure out for ourselves what it is we really are and what it is we really want to become. And, you know, the consequence of that, there's a lot of consequences. That one, is, one is that a lot of us, we, we tend, a lot of people tend to find themselves getting caught in identities that are somewhat shallow and superficial, you know, whether it's young, young men getting caught up in a gang or, or young people getting caught up in destructive relationships. Or uh, another problem is that we tend towards superficial things. You know, marketers have discovered that a lot of people are just desperate to figure out who the, what their identity is. And so, uh, you know, rather than selling just a shoe to cover your feet, you, you give people the impression that the shoes that they wear are going to define their identity, rather than just selling a sports drink that will, will calm your thirst, you give the impression that if you drink the right sports drink, it's going to ultimately create a new identity for you. And so we all become, or, you know, modern people are suckers for this, for this advertising that communicates to us that that if we only drink the right drink or wear the right shoes or, or have the right labels, that, that our, our identity will be rediscovered that way. And the problem is, is that even though we're told we can be anything, reality kicks in and we discover that our identity is still subject to our circumstances and we're still dependent on others in ways that can be really frustrating. You know, a young boy de decides he's going to define himself as an athlete, and then the coach says, sorry, you didn't make the team. Or a young person says they want to define themselves as a student at a particular school or in a, a particular program. They put all their effort into that, and then the letter comes back in the mail and says, I'm sorry, you did not get admitted into our school. Or you decide you're going to define yourself in a particular career, and that, that's what you set your heart on. And then you hit a few roadblocks, and all of a sudden you realize that that career isn't going to work out for you. You know, all of us go through these things, but if your identity is based on being an athlete or being a student or based on your job, then all of a sudden you realize you can't be anything you want to be because our identity is dependent on the affirmation and the help and the acceptance of others. It's also true in our 
romantic relationships. You decide that a particular, a particular person or, or you need a particular person to complete you and to make you who you want to be. And then when that relationship doesn't work out, we find ourselves in the midst of something of an identity crisis. Because the big myth is that we can discover our identity just by looking inside of us. The reality of being a human is that we're irreducibly social beings, and so we're dependent on what others say about us, we're dependent on the approval of others, we're dependent on the acceptance of others to discover who, who we really are and to figure out who we most essentially are. And, and so the modern reality is that all of us are searching for an identity, and so it can be an incredibly stressful and frustrating process to go through the process of elimination, to experience failure and rejection and, and struggle and, and emptiness in the course of trying to figure out for ourselves what it is and who it is we really are. The identity question basically is, is the, the struggle we all have to answer two basic questions. Who am I and what is my value? What is my purpose in this world? And like I say, our tendency, because as moderns we have to figure this out for ourselves, is we're tempted to shallow identities, we're tempted to identities that are overly dependent on other people. And, and a lot of times the reason these frustrate us is because what we settle on, well, our, our identities our identities built around the, the brand of shoes we wear or the sport that we play, is that these identities are something of an insult to the greatness of your soul. Because the reason it resonates with us when a graduation speaker says, you can be whatever you want to be, is because everybody feels in their hearts that they somehow can be great, that there's great potential wrapped up in us that just needs to be unleashed somehow. And then we, we, we pursue the things that we think are going to affirm that identity, and we just find ourselves frustrated. We find that the, that the career that we have, that the car that we drive, that the friendships that we have or the relationship we're in isn't meeting that deep need for, for an identity that's going to uh, satisfy us. In fact, one of the best ways to figure out what false identities it is that you've, you've found yourself stuck in is to ask yourself the question, what are the areas in my life where I'm really frustrated right now? Because, you know, for, for a lot of us, a lot of things, if we're not dependent on them to define our identity, they're just things. For example, if your car is just something that gets you to work and back and gets you to the grocery store and back then, so long as it starts and stops at red lights and things like that, you're, you're okay with your car. But if your car is the source of your identity, I've had friends who who had their identity bound up in their car, and about every 18 months they wanted to trade it in and get a new car because, because whatever fancy car they were driving was no longer giving them the pop and the happiness and the sense of significance that they used to have. And it's the same with your job. A lot of people work jobs that are, are not, not too exciting, but, but they're satisfied because the job enables them to pay their bills, support their family, and do the things that they need to do. And so they go through life and they do these jobs. But other people go from career to career to career and from job to job to job because, because no job really 
gives them the sense of significance, gives them the sense of identity that they're so desperately and earnestly searching for. So in your life, probably the thing that you're using as a substitute identity is the thing that is the most frustrating to you right now. Have you ever noticed it's, it's sometimes the areas where we're most successful and we're most prosperous where we're most frustrated, and that's because we're asking that thing, that thing that we've purchased, that thing that we do, that thing that we've accomplished, that relationship we're in, we're asking that thing to be everything for us, and it just can't. It's leaving our soul empty at a certain level. And, uh, and that's the problem with the modern quest for identity. We, we have the freedom to define ourselves, and it's not that we want to define ourselves too greatly, it's that we define ourselves too superficially. It's not that we have too great an idea of what we can possibly be. It's that we settle for too small an idea of what we can possibly be. And what the gospel invites you and me to do is that it invites us to discover a basis for identity that's not dependent on something we buy or something we achieve or something we accomplish, but it's all bound up in our connection with God himself and who God says we are. See, like I said, the problem with modern identity is you can't be whatever you want to be because your identity is going to be subject to what, what uh, particular teachers or particular bosses or particular friends or particular social groups or particular romantic partners say you're going to be. And you give, empower these people with the, with the ability to frustrate your effort to define your identity. But what the gospel offers us is a path to finding an identity that is more inclusive and yet more glorious than anything the modern world offers any of us. That's the spiritual, op the identity opportunity of the gospel. That's what Peter's talking about here. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who belong to God, God's own possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. That's your new identity. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let's just, just walk through that quickly. He says, he says, you're a chosen race. You know, a lot of us, as we go through life, one of the devastating things is when you have something you've set your heart on that you think is going to provide you with a solid identity, and then you find yourself rejected by that thing. You find yourself cut by the team or rejected by that romantic interest or fired from that job, whatever the thing might be. But what it means to be a follower of Christ is that you've been chosen by God. You've received the ultimate affirmation by God himself. He has called you. He has chosen you. He's brought you into a chosen race. He's brought you into a holy nation. And now you're an insider in the main circle, the only circle that ultimately matters, those who belong to God. And it's interesting how he says this. He says, you're a chosen race. In the first century, even more than now, people were prejudiced uh, against races that were different than theirs, and there was, there was major tension between the various races. And he's, he's saying to the Christians, the church, the followers of God, form a new race. Now you're no longer defined by the region of the world that your ancestors are come from. Now you're defined by the fact that you call God your father, your chosen race. 
You're a holy nation. And remember, Peter was writing this, and Peter was an Israelite. He was very proud, and his people were very proud to be from the Jewish nation. But he says, now the church is a new nation, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So he's, he gives people a whole new background to be a part of. You know, as, as we go through life, I think we've all had the experience of seeing a group of people. It could be a social group. It could be a professional group. It could be uh, just a, a group of people that we are excluded from. And you say, wouldn't it be great to be a part of that group? Wouldn't it be great to be connected to those people? And you're kind of on the outside looking in. Have you ever had that feeling? And, but, but what he's saying is the ultimate identity here is being a part of God's chosen race, being a part of God's holy nation, and that identity transcends all the others. And then the next thing he says is that you're a royal priesthood. And again, he's hearkening back to the Old Testament. Remember in the Old Testament, people went to the temple to pray, but when they prayed, they didn't really pray to God in the Old Testament. They, they brought their prayers to the priest, and they would depend on the priest to bring their prayers to the altar. They brought their requests to the priest, they brought their offerings to the priest, and they depended on the priest to bring their offerings up to God. But what the New Testament says is that Jesus is the great high priest. And now if we come to God through Jesus, we have access to God. We have direct access to God. And we've got a new role in this world. Our role in this world is to be a kingdom of priests, as it says in the book of Exodus, or as he says here, a holy priesthood, which means that the church... The followers of God have a, the crucial role of being the go-between between God and this world around us. That's what it means when we talk about the universal priesthood of believers. That's, that's a major New Testament doctrine. Our role is to be the representatives of God, the representatives of the grace of Christ to this world that we find ourselves in. And that's where we can derive our significance, regardless of what our calling might be, regardless of what our job might be, regardless of what our status might be. We've got this new role in our office. We've got this new role in our neighborhood. We've got this new role in our families. If we're followers of God, is, and that role is to represent the people around us, the people we come into contact with to God, and represent God to those people. Our new identity, our new mission is to be a kingdom of priests forever. So, so God, so, so Peter's defining this new identity. He says we're, we're a new race. We're a new nation. We've got a new mission. We're a kingdom of priests. We've, we've got this role in, in the world. And, and, and that should recolor the way we see ourselves and the way we live and move in this world. And, and like, like I say, the, the challenge is that this is an identity. If you can lean into this identity, if you can live out the identity that God offers us, it's an identity, if, as it becomes real to you, that will satisfy your soul and will help you deal with the ups and downs of life when, you're, when you get fired from your job, when a romantic relationship doesn't work out, when you realize there's something you wanted to pursue that you're not going to be able to pursue. 
the, the thing that's the consolation in this is that our ultimate identity, our ultimate security is bound back in our identity as God's chosen people, not the people who've been rejected by this college or fired by this boss, but God's chosen people. And our ultimate mission is as, as God's holy priesthood here, here in, in, the, in the world. Like I said, the problem with the modern identity is that is not that we want too much for ourselves, but that we settle for too little, and then we wonder why we're frustrated with life. Um, and, and the gospel offers us a new identity that, that, that is available to everybody. It's something that, that regardless of where we're from, regardless of our talent, regardless of our IQ, regardless of our height, regardless of our strength, regardless of our race, it's available to us because it's not something we earn. It's not something we achieve. It's not something that we accomplish. It's something that is a gift for us by virtue of our connection to Jesus. There was one great man who lived, and his name was Jesus, and he, he was the actual only begotten Son of God, and he lived a perfect life, and he faced the ultimate enemy, death itself, and he conquered that enemy on our behalf. And the Christian opportunity is to find our new identity by virtue of our connection to him. You look at famous people, you look at, at celebrities, and often what, what do celebrities have ar around them as they, they go through life? They, they develop this entourage, you know, usually a bunch of ne'er-do-wells who, who just spend their money and, and create trouble for them, but, but keep them from feeling too lonely. But, but the, the people who are in the entourage are, are not people who've accomplished anything except that they just happen to be friends with this famous and important and powerful person. But what the gospel invites us to do is to become part of Jesus' entourage and to recognize in spite of the fact that we're not good, in spite of the fact that we're not perfect, in spite of the fact that we're not, not, not intrinsically glorious, if we're connected with him, we can, have, we can discover a new identity in our relationship with him. And that's that's the heart of the message of Jesus. Rankin Wilburn puts it this way. When you find your identity in Christ, it means that you learn to look outside yourself to Jesus to tell you who you are. No longer is your identity what you, what you do or how others see you. It becomes what Jesus has done for you and how he sees you. Every one of our lives, we go through these humiliations, we go through these frustrations, we set our identity on a particular thing and then it falls apart and, and we wonder where to go from there. But, but the opportunity of the gospel is to recognize when that happens, it's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to say that really my identity is that I'm chosen by God, that I'm part of this new race. I'm part of this new nation, and I've got this role regardless of whether I'm on top or on the bottom. I can be a holy priesthood. Now, how does that happen for us? What is the key thing? He says the key thing that ties this all together, makes the, the door to this new identity for you and for me and for everybody in Jersey City and anybody who calls on this is to be a recipient of mercy. Look at the last line in the text. It says, once 
you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This identity, the, ident the gospel identity, is an identity that is available to people who are willing to be recipients of mercy, who are willing to be debtors to mercy alone. And, you know, one level, that's the problem, because I think modern people, we're willing to work for things, we're willing to accept challenges, we're willing to strive for things, and we're willing to demand the things that we think we're entitled to or the things that are our rights. But the, ident the gospel identity, the gospel, the gospel identity is based completely on receiving the mercy of God and accepting the mercy of God. There's one prayer that Jesus always answers, one prayer that God the Father will always answer no matter who prays it. And it's one we pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because he's essentially a merciful God, and the only people who he withholds mercy from are people who don't want his mercy. But if we'll recognize that what we need more than anything is the mercy of God in our life and the grace of God in our life, the Bible promises that we can have it. Becoming a holy nation becoming a royal priesthood, becoming a chosen race, and all of these other things is simply dependent on this, getting to the place in our life where we recognize that the thing we need most of all, when we look inside of ourselves, when we look at the world around us, what we need more than anything is the mercy of God in our life. Let's pray. God, have mercy on us, for we're sinners. Help us to find our new identity, our new hope in what you have done for us so that we can have the resilience to handle all the insults that this world throws at us. Father, I pray for us as we are tempted to settle for trivial things and temporary things as the basis for identity. I pray that you would move us from those to find our identity in knowing that you have chosen us, you have called us, and you've given us a profound role to play in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.